0: Pandemic Puppy Podcast brought to you by Journey Dog Training and the Pandemic Puppy Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I'm super excited to be raising my puppy niffler alongside all of you. And although I'm a certified dog behavior consultant and conservation detection dog trainer, I'm new to puppy raising too, so we're right in the thick of it together. Today I am joined by Amber Kwan of Summit Dog Training to talk about raising toy breed puppies and some of some of the unique challenges, opportunities, however we want to frame it around that. Amber's been on the podcast before, but Amber, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the guests who may have forgotten or maybe missed previous episodes that you were on.
1: Sure. Thank you for having me. I am Amber and I run Summit Dog Training in Fort Collins, Colorado um, and online. And I am a Karen Pryor Academy certified training partner, a certified professional dog trainer through um, CCPDT, and mm-hmm. recently got my TAG Teach uh, level one certification as well. And Jamie, my Papillon puppy is my first toy breed puppy that I've raised. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, so I'm very excited about this topic. Uh, I've previously had uh, medium to large breed dogs as my companions and Jamie has really taught me a lot about uh, training and how to uh, how to tailor things to a small dog and also what things are not different and what things are exactly the same just in a, in a smaller body so I'm very excited to, to chat about that today.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I actually, we had uh, the pleasure of actually going on our first um, block with where you got to meet Niffler and I got to meet Jamie last yeah. uh, last weekend. And it was a lot of fun to kind of get to see them both. They both, we, you know, we've been raising them. I think I'm a couple of months behind you, um, mm-hmm. but it's been really cool to get to see. So why don't we kind of start off um, maybe because I think most of this is just going to be, you know, that one question we've got, but what about, why don't we start with the things that you knew were going to be different or expected to be different before you got Jamie home. And then we'll pivot to like anything that surprised you.
1: Sure. Well, uh, on the one hand, uh, my husband and I, like to, and I like to joke that raising a small puppy is uh, much more budget friendly than raising an adult <laughs> dog. And that's kind of a, a comical outcome um, and not something that we necessarily think about. But as far as like expenses, not just your normal dog food expenses being less because they eat less, but also getting the smallest size of things like smallest size crate mm, or smallest mm-hmm. size, um, uh, harness, a uh, smaller size collar, those are significantly cheaper than, um, what we have been used to spending for our, um, adult, uh, or our large breed dogs in the past. So mm-hmm. that was something that kind of going in as I was stocking up on, on things I was, um, joking about. And, um, I like to, to laugh about that now. Not that I would necessarily choose a small dog just for that reason, but it's a nice <laughs> perk. Uh, in a yeah, lot of ways. for sure. <laughs> um, I try not to rub it in too much with my large breed dog friends as to how much food Jamie goes through compared to um, the amount of food that uh, the rest of you have to feed. Um, but (laughs) it's, it's definitely a a stark difference. So that's one of the things I kind of knew going in that was going to be different, uh, but it has kind of proved true. Um, and also just on the, the eating front as a trainer going in, I kind of anticipated with a small dog, with a small belly, we need to be creative about our training strategies, uh, with my Mm -hmm. previous mid to large breed dogs. Especially when they were in the, the prime of their life, very athletic, very active, they could eat pretty much their, the entire <laughs> training session. Or I could do as many training sessions as I want, and there was very little risk of them, you know, getting full on the one hand, or you know, gaining weight or eating in excess because we were, you know, being intentional about that. With a small dog, I've had to be a little bit more creative with my reinforcement strategies, uh, mm-hmm. just because the physical. Uh, limitations of a small belly are uh, a big reality. So I've uh, definitely pivoted my reinforcement strategies to uh, treats that can be very, very tiny. Like think half of a pea. Um, and Mm -hmm. so treats that do break down that small without getting crumbly are my go-tos, uh, as well as I've worked really hard from the beginning of Jamie's life to build in other types of reinforcement. That's not food related, uh, which is something I love to do with all of my dogs, but with a small dog, it was utilitarian in a different way. Uh, where like I knew for throughout his life, especially once he got past, um, puberty and, and was not growing (laughs) as regularly or as frequently, um, I was going to need those toy reinforcement schedules, uh, and patterns to be able to continue to build the behavior that I like as a, as a trainer and as someone who wants to train my, my dog in and using other things as reinforcers besides food because of the, the limitations there. So we've been working on that since, since day one.
0: Yeah. Was there anything that you were thinking about? I know, like, my number one concern when I think about potentially bringing home a a tiny dog is kind of safety related, both as far as like, oh, gosh, jumping on and off the bed or on and off the couch. Like, I I love Italian greyhounds. But every time (laughs) I look at them, I'm just like, oh, my God, I would break it in half. Um, (laughs) And I might be overly concerned or maybe not. But then also, you know, I know you do a lot of out and about sort of stuff with Mm -hmm. Jamie. And, you know, there's different considerations as far as other dogs potentially being really yeah. dangerous or hawks. Like, what are mm-hmm. some of the things that you ran into there? And was there anything that, again, was surprising or or maybe didn't turn out to be a problem after all?
1: Sure. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely been a mix. Those safety factors that uh, you mentioned are real, real concerns and I think that uh, knowledge about those safety factors is the biggest uh, mm-hmm. the biggest factor excuse me <clears throat> uh, the biggest factor in preventing something from happening is just knowing and being aware of things. And I've really tried to strike this balance of not wrapping my, my small dog in bubble wrap uh, and not letting him experience things uh, like I would with a medium to large breed dog, but also recognizing there's some things that I just don't let him do the same way. So with dog Mm -hmm. interactions uh, with a, a bigger dog that was friendly and dog social, when I would meet other dogs on the trail, I would be a lot less concerned about them greeting and saying hi, and okay. getting to interact now with a small dog who loves other dogs. Jamie loves other dogs very much. However, I am always going to be a little bit more hesitant to just let that interaction happen until I've had a chance to at least interface with the owner um, you know, for a quick, like, Hey, or is your, is your pup okay with a greeting? Or does your pup like small dog friends or things like that? So that I'm going to make sure at the best of my ability that I'm, I'm not putting Jamie in a situation that could be dangerous to him because even just a, um, a, an appropriate correction on the, the part of the other dog, or maybe a slightly inappropriate correction, but still shy of an actual conflict, uh, could be enough to cause um, you know, injury or, uh, or long-term harm to my small dog, not just physically, but also mentally and psychologically as well. So mm-hmm. that's been something I've been mindful of from day one about what interactions I let my small dog to have finding approved big dog friends for my small dog to interact with early on was really key because I want my small dog to have all of the confidence in the world and feel like big dogs are my friend big dogs are worth mm-hmm. um, bi- uh, interacting with I can interact in a safe and comfortable way and boosting and building confidence on my small dog's part was really important to me so I recruited a lot of um, old, bigger dogs that I trusted bigger dogs who I trusted their handlers and their people to mm-hmm. help um, give my dog some some structured interactions with uh bigger dogs early on so that he thought that was great. But then I'm also tempering that with new dogs that I don't know. It's not an immediate like rush up and say hello routine. And that goes for whether we're on leash or off leash. So, uh, my smog dog does not go to the dog park, um, with, you know, 40 other dogs to run around. It's just Mm -hmm. not safe for him. There are certainly situations where small dogs can be more successful at a dog park, a small dog area or something like that. But really, for me, I'd rather curate completely safe interactions um in my backyard or um some other area for him rather than put him in that situation publicly.
0: Yeah. Well and one of the things I noticed on that hike that you and I just went on is as um as our listeners may or may not know is both of my dogs are absolute stick fiends and for my dog barley that'll translate over to trying to haul logs around um we joke (laughs) that he might be part beaver um and you know that's usually kind of a funny thing that like i just kind of like watch the dogs hauling logs around (laughs) and niffler will grab them and they'll play tugging tug back and forth with this you know like uh, literally like a 10 foot tree that's got like a 10 inch <laughs> diameter um and you know as soon as they did that with jamie around we both were like oh no like you know we need to, like i need to get my dogs to settle down you need to move jamie out of the way because if they clock yep. him with
1: that it's, it's like not going to be insignificant
0: <laughs> yeah exactly you know because i watch you know my 40 pound border collies can whack each other in the head with sticks and it's okay um, right.
1: no big deal (laughs) Yeah,
0: but uh, I mean, how much does Jamie weigh now? He's like, what, eight Eight pounds? pounds?
1: Yeah, yeah. eight pounds. So he probably yeah. weighed uh, maybe a quarter of what that stick weighed that Barley and Nuffler <laughs> were, were dragging around. So yeah. certainly we have to be thinking about those safety and in, um, interactions. And one of the things that I started doing with myself, um, even kind of before I got the puppy home, and I talked through this with my family members, uh, my partner who also would be walking the dog, is I talked through different escape route and defensive strategies that, mm. um, mm-hmm. and kind of rehearsed some of those mentally for myself um, so that I would be prepared if an unsafe situation was approaching. And that could be as simple as like, ah, this massive crowd of skateboarders just came around the, (laughs) around the corner and, uh, my dog's going to be underfoot and he's not, you know, he's not big, so he's not noticeable. Um, or it could be, uh, you know, we're walking and an off leash dog charges and comes out of the fence. Like I had Jamie home, maybe, um, maybe two or three weeks and I took him to a neighborhood that I wasn't familiar with, um, for something. And, uh, before I, I got there a little bit early, and so I was walking him down the street of this neighborhood that I'd never been to before, and I was just letting him sniff along. And then all of a sudden I hear this bark, 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 bark behind a door, um, at one of the houses we were walking by and it was a storm door. And I've, I've seen enough horror movies to know that dog barking behind a storm door uh, could very easily jump up on the storm door and push it open. And so I hear this kind of barking and I'm already kind of mentally preparing myself for what am I going to do if that dog is suddenly Mm -hmm. in the yard and Two, not two seconds later, that dog was in the yard. They um, ob- managed to open the door, and this very large um, dog came barking, running out to the end of their um, end, end of their yard where we were walking on the sidewalk. And because I had rehearsed my safety <laughs> my safety plan mm-hmm. a few times before, I had Jamie in my arms before that dog was three steps off their patio. And, uh, he was up kind of held like a football in my arms. I had his head tucked under my um, armpit and his body kind of cradled between my arms, uh, where my arms were on the outside. So if the dog had jumped up and yeah. I was kind of turning my body towards the parked car that was right by right near there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and in that situation, the owner came running out said, Oh, he's friendly. He's friendly. But I, am, in that point, was not going to put my um, 16-week-old puppy down on the ground with a very, very large dog, um, probably 100 pounds, who came out barking and lunging at us, um, despite the owner's uh, claims there. And my puppy um, was, you know, protected in my arms. They they moved away. But I needed to have that behavior rehearsed in my head so that I didn't have to think uh, twice about getting him up in my arms in that moment because I need longer of a delay and it would have been, it may have been too late. So mm-hmm. thinking through what are our, our escape sc- strategies, picking up as a football? Um, I will sometimes tell people to if there's a car nearby, pick up and put your small dog on top of the car. Uh, mm-hmm. and you can practice that with your own, um, your own car at home, but you can do it with anybody's car there. Um, yeah, if if they get mad later to say, Hey, thanks thanks for using your car I mean, let me letting me use your car. But putting your your puppy or your small dog into the back of a pickup truck, um, mm-hmm. if there is like a dumpster or a um uh a trash can, uh I've seen people, you know, pick up their small dog, <laughs> put them into the trash can and shut the lid, yeah. um, in the in a situation where there's an awfully short or other frightening situation. So thinking through what are the options in your area? What are the obstacles in your area that um, could be utilized for you if if you needed mm-hmm. to in a, in a small dog safety situation? And now I try really hard to temper those safety management plans with letting myself relax and let my dog be a dog and let my dog interact Mm -hmm. as naturally as possible, as much as possible if I feel like it's a safe situation because I don't want to always just be pulling away and restraining and, and manipulating my puppy away from a situation because that can build frustration and some reactivity and all of that. It's a fine line here Mm -hmm. where we're trying to kind of bridge this gap between if if this is safe, like let's let our dog interact in as natural way as possible so that they can use those social skills and they can develop that confidence. But if this is not safe, it's our responsibility to like physically protect our dog.
0: This podcast is supported by the Puppy Raising Blueprint course, which you can find at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. In this course... Which is partnered between Journey Dog Training and a Canine of Mine, I guide you through everything from common problem behaviors like biting and potty training to the humane hierarchy of dog training. It's always available on a self-study basis at journeydogtraining.com/blueprint. Of course, yeah, and and one of the things that I think you're mentioning is really like not just having a plan and having you know options available in your head, but also practicing that both for yourself so that you have those mm-hmm. physical mechanics and. I would assume for your dog or puppy as well so that they know the drill. I was really impressed watching you and Jamie kind of navigating logs and obstacles. (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about, and I would imagine a lot of those skills for like how to get him in and out of the car Mm -hmm. or up and over Uh, a log translate really well towards these like, Oh crap, we need to get him (laughs) up and off the ground sort of moments.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the most important skills that we've taught Jamie from a safety standpoint, but also just a world navigation standpoint is his boost cue. So we teach him, um, that boost means we're picking him up and we're either assisting him over something and he'll get mm-hmm. to be set right back down or we're kind of cupping him in our arms, um, for a bit and then uh, releasing him back down to, um, to continue playing. And we practice boost in a lot of different settings and we try not to always or only practice it in hard situations where we're physically removing him from another dog or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. but we practice it a lot when we're just in the kitchen, maybe we're making dinner and we have a scrap of something to give him. We will cue, he'll be, you know, laying in the, in the living room, we'll cue Jamie boost and he comes running he gets boosted up, he gets his yummy scrap of mm-hmm. whatever it is, sometimes Brussels sprout stems, those are his favorite and then he gets a release cue to go back and, and play so mm-hmm. that he's learning that boost um, just coming out of nowhere is a really fun and positive thing and that it doesn't necessarily mean um, you know it doesn't. it's not always a frustrating situation so we started very young with him teaching this um, with just working on um, light pickups so I would wrap my uh, arm kind of underneath his chest and, uh, kind of cup his, um, sternum in my, in the palm of my hand. And I would just do like a little bit, like an inch raise reward with a really high value treat and then lower him so that he got used to this kind of scoop up, but not really, uh, physically removing him off, off the ground right away. Uh, lift up, reward, lower, lift up, reward, lower. We did that for quite a while. And then we started to look for him telling us he was ready to be picked up. We kind of have split this behavior into like a voluntary pickup. And also sometimes I just have to pick him up. And so we work most of the time on him saying, yes, I'm ready to be picked up. And we see that by he kind of jumps up or raises his weight just a little bit when our hand goes down. And we reward that quite a bit. Some of the time though, dangerous dog situation, I'm just going to pick him up. But what you saw when we were navigating in um, the woods the other day is if he would get to a log and needed help, I would ask, do you want a boost? And then wait for him to kind of, he would, he does this little jump up, um, when he does want assistance (laughs) and wait for him to let me know that he's ready. And Mm -hmm. that helps this cue not to always be, you know, frustrating and restrictive for our dogs.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one of the other things that you and I were talking about on that hike was the idea of kind of helping him feel really psychologically safe yeah. as a little dog. I think sometimes people brush this off as like a funny thing of like, oh, yeah. hi, he thinks he's a big dog, listen yeah. to a bark. Um, yeah. You know, and why don't we talk a little bit about that as well yeah. as pivoting to like, how do we help little dogs not become leash reactive and not... sure. Um, you know, which, yeah. you know, in some ways it's the same as any other size dog, but in other ways, like there, there is a reason that people call it small dog syndrome. Like,
1: Right, right. Well, yeah. I think um, it is, uh, I like to think of it as small dog owner syndrome in a lot of ways, not to put <laughs> the blame on the owners, but just knowing from myself as a small dog owner. It is so easy to manage my dog's behavior by using the leash and tugging him away from an interaction or, or physically, you know, putting tension on the leash. And I find myself falling into that pitfall very easily. And so I, I suffer from small dog owner syndrome myself and I've had to work really hard against that. And so I think what I kind of encompass in that, uh, or what is often maybe encompassed in the small dog syndrome label is dogs that haven't been taught how to move themselves out of situations with common composure because it is so easy for us to physically manage their behavior in other ways. So a lot of times I'll see you know, a dog is, a small dog is going to have an interaction and the owner just picks them up and they might be barking and growling and scram- screaming in the owner's arms, but we just kind of, you know, walk away or the owner just kind of walk away kind of walks away and then puts the dog down and keep going. And so in those cases, when we are physically removing the dog using some sort of management intervention, whether with our physical pickup or with a leash, we are not giving the dog a chance to learn through a better interaction and learn or mm-hmm. learn, learn a better system of behaviors uh, because it's so easy to just avoid and do something else. And I'm not saying it's not good to pick up your dog on occasion. That's what we just talked about. Um, and there are some situations where I will still pick up my dog to navigate past a situation that I feel like is unsafe for him or unfair, or he's going to get, you know, this rambunctious puppy is going to jump on his head as we go by and he's not going to like that. Like I will still use my boost and pick up for those situations. But for the most part, being intentional about treating our small dogs like a big dog um, in a lot of situations and looking for behavior we can reinforce when they are four paws on the ground. So thinking, would I do this with my German shepherd? Would would I do this with my border collie? Um, Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, then like (laughs) thinking, how can we avoid doing this with our, you know, our little eight pound dogs or smaller and alternatives can look like setting an appropriate threshold to the other dog. If we're reactive towards other dogs, find that threshold that our dog can watch working through some um, confidence, building exercises, like looking at the other dog and getting a reward or looking at the other dog and getting to run away with you. If, if the dog, the small dog truly does want distance and building up those behaviors without just relying on our management to to get through those situations and any um you know reactivity topic or um or leash walking topic is applicable to our small dogs uh so yeah. I may not want to get fully into that um mm-hmm. behavior modification plan here but I think the important thing is that we give our dogs space and time to work through those behavior modification steps instead of just going the easy route of managing their behavior physically
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think recognizing that just because it's a small dog, so therefore you can control them, doesn't yep. mean that that behavior is like acceptable because the dog is upset. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. And I, I would imagine that some of a lot of that is just helping a small dog, just like any bigger dog understand what's expected of them in the situation, yep. feel confident and comfortable in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that confidence is probably one of the things that is a little bit more challenging for our little guys because they are, sure. they're little, um, Yeah, you know, as, think, as they get a little, Oh, go ahead.
1: I think a key piece of building up that confidence for our small dogs, especially in relationship with uh, other dogs that are bigger than them or other people that are bigger than them, kids or um, people on bikes or skateboards is, making sure that we are setting our dogs up for success in those interactions. Uh, I see a lot of small dogs pushed over their threshold in in uh, situations with bigger dogs, maybe taken to the dog park and bowled over and overwhelmed, or even taken to the yeah. backyard and a, a family friend's you know six-month-old puppy comes and pounces on them, and the small dog is like, I don't like this. And in those cases, if we're pushing our small dog past the point of success, uh, to where they're having to use demonstrative behaviors like a a growl or a snap or, um, something more serious to get out of that situation, Mm -hmm. then we are just putting them in situations where they can rehearse that a lot. And so if we have a small dog that isn't comfortable playing with big dogs, or big people, or big children, one of the best things we can do for them is not push them into those situations prematurely, but rather maybe mm-hmm. set up a, you know, a baby gate or an X-pen uh, where the small dog can be in one corner and watch the big dogs playing, and then decide if they want to um, approach the edge of the fence to interact or not, uh, but mm-hmm. where they're in a bit of protected contact and can't be bombarded. Um, yeah. And I think it's also important to recognize that our our small dogs preferences change with age. Jamie used to be sure. really keen about getting bowled over and roughed around and he loved it when he was a young puppy um, and would actively seek it out. And we, we still kind of um, tried to work to keep it where it was safe for him and where he wasn't gets just getting beaten up uh, by his bigger dog puppy friends. But now as an almost two year old, when he's been in situations with a six month old lab puppy who has big paws mm-hmm. and doesn't know how to use them yet, Jamie's gotten a little bit more frustrated. And so at this point I don't put him in those situations anymore. Uh, he yeah. has other big dog friends he can play with and we do other activities like a hike versus a rough and tumble play session. Cause Jamie just doesn't like it. And I don't want him to be put in a situation where he has to growl at another dog to say, Hey, back off. I don't like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. So yeah, to recap, we've got a lot of just understanding like safety needs. We've got um some confidence building, we've got remembering that they are still dogs. Um and it seems like you've talked a lot about walking this line between protecting them and recognizing that physically they are different from a much larger dog, but also letting them be a dog. Is there anything that's kind of surprised you or anything else you wanted to add as we're kind of wrapping up here on our small dog chat?
1: Small puppy chat. It- yeah, I think that one of the things um I heard a lot about small dog puppies when uh before I got Jamie was that small dog puppies are really hard to house train. And mm. I think that um there's a bit of truth and a bit of myth in there as well. Um I think that so that's as as part of one of the things that surprised, was surprising to me. Jamie um I was expecting you know a long haul potty training um effort, and jamie really wasn't it wasn't that difficult and so I think it's important and this applies to any dog any time, but with our small dogs when we think about small dog syndrome or those other myths like small dogs are are difficult to to house train or small dogs are you know yippy and barky uh it 's important to treat each dog as an individual and remember that if we come back to the science of training and the science Mm -hmm. of like managing um, and setting up for success in potty training or in other things, like we can support our small dogs just the same as our big dogs. And it doesn't have to be this, um, you know, the stigma or this, you know, myth that raising a small dog is going to be extra challenging. It's just, just different, but the same principles um, that we use with our big dogs can apply and can help guide us through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a great note to end things on. So Amber, do you want to remind people where they can find you online?
1: Yeah, I am at uh, summitdarktraining.com or on Facebook and Instagram at summitdarktraining as well.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to all of our listeners. As always, they can join that Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook to get more awesome help. Amber and I are both co admins there, along with an amazing large admin team. And uh, you can find me at journeydogtraining.com where you can book me for training services or check out some of my puppy raising courses. Until next time.